Chapter Twenty Five of the Gold Hunters by J. D. Borthwick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Sue Anderson. Chapter Twenty Five: The Day We Celebrate. On the Fourth of July, I went over to Columbia, four miles distant from Sonora, where there were to be great doings, as the latter place had hardly yet recovered from the effects of the fire and was still in a state of transition so columbia which was nearly as large a town was to be the place of celebration for all the surrounding country early in the forenoon an immense concourse of people had assembled to take part in the proceedings and were employing themselves in the meantime in drinking success to the american eagle in the numerous saloons and bar-rooms the town was all stars and stripes they fluttered over nearly every house and here and there hung suspended across the street the day was celebrated in the usual way with a continual discharge of revolvers and a vast expenditure of powder and squibs and crackers together with an unlimited consumption of brandy but this was only the overflowing of individual enthusiasm the regular program was a procession a prayer and an oration the procession was headed by about half a dozen ladies and a number of children the teachers and pupils of a school who sang hymns at intervals when the brass band which accompanied them had blown themselves out of breath they were followed by the freemasons to the number of a hundred or so in their aprons and other paraphernalia and after them came a company of about the same number of horsemen the most irregular cavalry one could imagine whoever could get a four-legged animal to carry him joined the ranks and horses mules and jackasses were all mixed up together next came the hook and ladder company dragging their hooks and ladders after them in regular fireman fashion and after them came three or four hundred miners walking two and two and dragging in like manner by a long rope a wheelbarrow in which were placed a pick and shovel a frying pan an old coffee pot and a tin cup they were marshalled by half a dozen miners with long handled shovels over their shoulders and all sorts of ribbons tied around their hats to make a show another mob of miners brought up the rear drawing after them a long tom on a pair of wheels in the tom was a lot of quotes, dirt which one man stirred up with his shovel as if he were washing while a number of others alongside were hard at work throwing in imaginary shovelfuls of dirt the idea was pretty good but to understand the meaning of this gorgeous pageant it was necessary to be familiar with mining life the pick and shovel in the wheelbarrow were the emblems of the miner's trade while the old pots and pans were intended to signify the very rough style of his domestic life particularly of his cuisine and the party of miners at work around the long tom was a representation of the way in which the wealth of the country is wrested from it by all who have stout hearts and willing hands or stout hands and willing hearts it amounts to much the same thing 
the procession paraded the streets for two or three hours and proceeded to the bull-ring where the ceremonies were to be performed the bull-ring here was neither so large nor well got up as the one at sonora but still it could accommodate a very large number of people as the miners entered the arena with their wheelbarrow and long tom they were immensely cheered by the crowds who had already taken their seats the band in the meantime playing hail columbia most lustily the declaration of independence was read by a gentleman in a white neckcloth and the oration was then delivered by the orator of the day who was a pale-faced chubby-cheeked young gentleman with very white and extensive shirt-collars he indulged in a great deal of buncombe about the pilgrim fathers and plymouth rock the blarney stone of america as the americans call it george the third and his red-coated minions were alluded to in not very flattering terms and after having exhausted the past the orator in his enthusiasm became prophetic of the future he fancied he saw a distant vision of a great republic in ireland england sunk into insignificance and all the rest of it the speech was full of american and local phraseology but the richness of the brogue was only the more perceptible from the vain attempt to disguise it many of the americans sitting near me seemed to think that the orator was piling up the agony a little too high and signified their disapprobation by shouting gas gas my next neighbor an old yankee informed me that in his opinion them pilgrim fathers were no better than their neighbors they left england because they could not have everything their own way and in america were more intolerant of other religions than any one had been of theirs in england i know all about em he said for i come from right where they lived in the middle of the arena during the ceremonies was a cage containing a grizzly bear who had fought and killed a bull by torchlight the night before his cage was boarded up so that he was deprived of the pleasure of seeing what was going on but he could hear all that was said and expressed his opinion from time to time by grunting and growling most savagely after the oration the company dispersed to answer the loud summons of the numerous dinner-bells and gongs and in the afternoon there was a bullfight which went off with great eclat it was announced in the bills that the celebrated lady bullfighter the senorita ramona perez would dispatch a bull with the sword this celebrated senorita however turned out to be only the chief matador who entered the arena very well got up as a woman with the slight exception of a very fine pair of mustaches which he had not thought it worth while to sacrifice he had a fan in his hand with which he half concealed his face as if from modesty as he curtsied to the audience who received him with shouts of laughter mixed with hisses and curses however for there were some who had been true believers in the senorita 
but the infidels were the majority and thinking it a good joke enjoyed it accordingly the senorita played with the bull for some time with the utmost audacity and with a great deal of feminine grace whisking her petticoats in the bull's face with one hand while she smoothed down her hair with the other at last the sword was handed to her which she received very gingerly also a red flag and after dodging a few passes from the bull she put the sword most gracefully into the back of his neck and hardly condescending to wait to see whether she had killed or not she dropped both sword and flag and ran out of the arena curtsying and kissing her hand to the spectators after the manner of a ballet dancer leaving the stage it was a pity the fellow had not shaved off his moustache as otherwise his acting was so good that one might have deluded oneself with the belief that it was really the celebrated senorita herself who was risking her precious life by such a very ladylike performance i had heard from many persons of two natural bridges on a small river called coyote creek some twelve miles off and as they were represented as being very curious and beautiful objects i determined to pay them a visit accordingly returning to mclean's ferry on the stanislaus at the point where coyote creek joins that river i travelled up the creek for some miles clambering over rocks and winding round steep overhanging banks by a trail so little used that it was hardly discernible i was amply repaid for my trouble however when after an hour or two of hard climbing in the roasting hot sun i at last reached the bridges and found them much more beautiful natural curiosities than i had imagined them to be having never been able to get any very intelligible account of what they really were i had supposed that some large rocks rolling down the mountain had got jammed over the creek by the steepness of the rocky banks on each side which i fancied would be a very easy mode of building a natural bridge my idea however was very far from the reality in fact bridges was an inappropriate name they should have been called caves or tunnels how they were formed is a question for geologists but their appearance gave the idea that there had been a sort of landslip which blocked up the bed of the creek for a distance of two or three hundred feet and to the height of fifty or sixty above the bed of the stream they were about a quarter of a mile apart and their surface was like that of the hills perfectly smooth and covered with grass and flowers the interiors were somewhat the same style of place but the upper one was the larger and more curious of the two the faces of the tunnel were perpendicular presenting an entrance like a church door about twelve feet high surrounded by huge stony fungus-like excrescences of a dark purple and green color the waters of the creek flowed in here and occupied all the width of the entrance they were only a few inches in depth and gave a perfect reflection of the whole of the interior which was a lofty chamber 
some hundred feet in length the straight sides of which met at the top in the form of a gothic arch at the further end was a vista of similarly arched small passages branching off into darkness the walls were deeply carved into pillars and grotesque forms in which one could trace all manner of fanciful resemblances while at the base of some of the columns were most symmetrically formed projections many of which might be taken for fonts the top of them being a circular basin containing water these projections were of stone and had the appearance of having congealed suddenly while in a boiling state there was a beautiful regularity in the roughness of their surface some of the rounded forms being deeply carved with circular lines similar to the engine turning on the back of a watch and others being rippled like a shirt of mail the rippling getting gradually and regularly finer till at the top the surface was hardly more rough than that of a file the walls and roof seemed to have been smothered over with some stuff which had hardened into a sort of cement presenting a polished surface of a bright cream color tinged here and there with pink and pale green the entrance was sufficiently large to light up the whole place which from its general outline gave somewhat the idea of a church for besides the pillars with their flowery ornaments the gothic arches and the fonts there was at one side near the entrance one of these stone excrescences much larger than the others which would have passed for a pulpit overhung as it was by a projection of a similar nature spreading out from the wall several feet above it the sides of the arches forming the roof did not quite meet at the top but looked like the crests of two immense foaming waves between which were seen the extremities of numbers of pendants of a like flowery form there was nothing rough or uncertain about the place every part seemed as if it were elaborately finished and in strict harmony with the whole and as the rays of the setting sun fell on the water within the entrance and reflected a subdued light over the brilliant hues of the interior it looked like a gorgeous temple which no art could improve and such as no human imagination could have designed at the other end of the tunnel the water emerged from a much smaller cave which was so low as not to admit of a man crawling in the caves at each end of the other tunnel were also very small though the architecture was of the same flowery style the faces of it however were extremely beautiful to the height of fifty or sixty feet they presented a succession of irregular overhanging projections bulging out like immense mushrooms of which the prevailing hue was a delicate pink with occasional patches of bright green in any part of the old world such a place would be the object of a pilgrimage and even where it was it attracted many visitors numbers of whom had according to the established custom of snobhood acknowledged their own insignificance and had sought a little immortality for their wretched names by scratching them on a large smooth surface by the side of the entrance to the cave
while i was there an old yankee miner came to see the place he paid a very hurried visit he had not even time to scratch his initials but he was enthusiastic in his admiration of this beautiful object of nature which however he thought was quite thrown away in such an out-of-the-way part of creation it distressed him to think that such a valuable piece of property could not be turned to any profitable account now said he if i had this here thing just about ten miles from new york city i'd show it to the folks at twenty-five cents a head and make an everlasting pile of money out of it End of chapter 25